Coming to you live from the Badlands of Texas, you're listening to Midnight Radio. I'm your host, Gerald Schmiminer, and I welcome you. Hello, friends. Let's, as I say Schmiminer, it's Gerald Schmimmins. Gerald Schmimmins. Welcome today. We have a lot of information for you, like we always do. Let me take a drink. I'll tell you what I've been through today. Of course, last night I didn't come on because I was extremely busy. But other than that, I noticed people were talking about the Cole Berger search warrants that were actually being released. But there was just a section of it, just the front page where they got everything that was on his person being released. And the second half is going to be released today or tomorrow. It's going to be released tomorrow morning. We'll go over it on tomorrow's show. Really, there's nothing to go over except saying that he was wearing dark clothes at the time. So, other than that, yeah, man, I had a meeting today, too. It was an unemployment day meeting. Have you ever had one of those? I'm still kind of employed, getting paid for a little while. But, uh, yeah, unemployment day meeting, that's where I was at. I came back. My son, my wife went shopping. My son was at the doorknob of the bathroom. and He was just looking at it, pulling on something. I go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm pulling on this bra. I go, what do you mean? What are you doing? Leave that alone. That's not yours. He's like, why does mom have her bras on every doorknob? I go, I don't know, son. It's something women do. I said, why? He's a five-year-old. He wants to know why about everything. I'm like, I don't know. Something women do. It's some kind of biological thing. It's kind of like nesting. He's like, dad, what kind of bird lives in these? I don't know. A booby bird, son. I don't know. On a more serious note, there's a story that's breaking right now. I found out about it this morning. We need to go over this. Police warn residents to avoid a man in a Cookie Monster costume. This creepy character is causing concern. According to the Santa Cruz Police Department, Santa Cruz, California, is a pretty warm place, I believe. Let's say a man wearing a Cookie Monster costume has been terrorizing residents of a California town. And they're warning parents to snap photos at their own risk. Recently, a man dressed up like the Cookie Monster in Santa Cruz is causing concern around the beach and wharf areas. Man, I can't imagine wearing that costume there. According to the Facebook page of the police department of Santa Cruz, they they identified the man as Adam Sandler, with no relation to the actor, of course. But then again, underneath his costume, how do they know? There's a picture of him. I would really like to see a video myself. They said he's widely known for antagonistic antics in a tourist location. Can you, if this, this is his job, is, does he panhandle? What's the deal? Can I sign up for this, Mr. Unemployment Man? Happy Unemployment Day for those of you that are in the same situation as me. A spokesperson for the Santa Cruz Police Department did not immediately respond to a request from the Today Show. Police said that Sandler does not work for the city of Santa Cruz and that he's exercising his First Amendment rights. However, they are arguing anyone who is a victim of or a witness to a crime committed by Sandler to contact him. So they don't have a crime yet. They want one just to get rid of this guy. 
is nothing sacred anymore. Cookie Monster. If he's is he stealing cookies or tossing cookies or tossing salad, whatever it is, you better report this guy right here. This is ridiculous. He was well, let's talk about his dirty deeds, shall we? Should we talk about his dirty deeds? He jaywalked one time. He was arrested for disorderly conduct and resisting arrest one time. Uh, he was yelling and screaming in a public place, causing annoyance and alarm, causing a crowd to form and obstruct pedestrian traffic. Oh no. The defendant refused to disperse. And while attempting to place him in custody, he resisted. And he he was arrested on another occasion for grand larceny. Just in the last six months, we've had quite a few problems with him. Los Angeles police detective said, this guy is like a national nuisance. Man, this guy needs to come here on YouTube, I swear. Matter of fact, talking about weird things, got a poll right up there right now. For our audience, our YouTube audience, this is filmed in front of a live YouTube audience. The question is, how many people would be interested in me getting a cowboy hat covered in Fruit Loops? I'd wear it for about a week. Maybe that's some kind of fundraiser we could do or something. No, not because I'm out of a job. Hey, for those of you that don't know, and I don't have any executive producers to name today, sadly, but all the money we get from our executive producers and our producers, that's money donated to the show. It goes to our music radio license and hot damn we did it that's why i have that on the thumbnail we got our radio licenses all three of them we need to maintain them as a continuing fee every three months just so you know so we're going to continue all the money we get goes to that but we do have a radio license so right now when this show's over when and i'm broadcasting on the radio right now too I'll try not to say any of those damn cuss words then um it's going right out there right now. I mean, between shows, we have music playing 24-7 now. And I've been listening to it today. Man, it's fantastic. We're continuing to work on it. Here's the formula I'm using, all right? It's formula that you guys gave me. I asked you what kind of music station you wanted when I first started here. And you guys first tuned in. And I might do it again because there's a lot of new people. But I asked you what kind of music you wanted, and there's a certain mix. There was a 60, 50, 40, 30 um, of what kind of music you wanted. I'm going to take that, and I'm going to adjust our listening stream, all the music we have, to go by that exactly. I mean, exactly. And we're going to see where we come to. Because I noticed on there, it was the same kind of music I listened to, so there's not a problem with that. There, I like to thank our DJs that are continuing to do the pre-show some of those have moved up onto the radio stream with me i'll i'll do an announcement of their new schedules because there's a schedule now so you're gonna get two hour shows from your favorite djs playing your favorite music on your new favorite radio station this is your station this is your show tell us what you want to cover whether it be cookie monster related or not we'll cover it and also we'll play your music on our radio station we have an app coming out pending we're going to be on iHeartRadio and tune in. Everything. You can listen to it on an app in your car. There is no limit to what we can do, me and you. Hey, how many other stations or shows here on YouTube take all of the money and pour it back into the community? Because that's what we're doing here. I believe in value for value. Is this show valuable to you? Does it entertain you? Does it give you information you need? Does it give you a place to talk? 
Does it protect you so you can have your wild-ass speculations and wild-ass theories? Does it do that? Well, I'd say consider contributing back. You can do that through a cash app. You can do that through a super sticker. All the money goes back to our licensing so we can continue to rock you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's what we're doing here. And also, I see value in you. I'm not getting paid. I don't get paid by this. Literally, I cannot touch the money. It's set up with YouTube to the LLC, and it goes to the licensing. Nothing in my hands. But I think you're valuable. I see value in talking to you. This shows the conversation with you, and that's why we do it. Now let's talk about Idaho 4. I got in trouble last night. My wife and I... (laughs) We were putting uh, loads and loads of music into the database for the radio station. Into the server, which happens to be in England, by the way. Anyhow, crawled in bed. I didn't think she was looking. She must have been looking because she saw me turn on Ashley Banfield. She's like, oh, my God. (sighs) She was already mad at me, guys, because, you know, she wanted to watch a movie and she went to go do something. She's coming back. So it's just, you know, me. She left me with a clicker, guys. You know how that is. And I saw Fletch was on there. Oh, Fletch. Man, it's been years since I've seen 1985 Fletch. I put it on. She tried to act cool about it. Like, what's this? Um, this is Chevy Chase in the greatest movie of all time. What are you talking about? He's a writer and uh, he's a comedian. It's the best thing ever. She just looked at it, and she gave me one of those penguin blinks. About 10 minutes. I'm like, I'll, I'll turn it in 15 minutes. The turning cough scene kills me every time. And then I turned it to Banfield, and she wasn't happy. We'll go to Banfield in a minute. First, I'm going to go over this. The Gonsalves family attorney accused Idaho prosecutor of leaking information. This is recent, guys. What kind of information do you think was leaked? Leaked. We'll go over it right now. Is it some of it we've gone over, and did it actually come from the prosecutor? Well, let's take a deep dive into this, and maybe amongst ourselves we can come up with an answer. Emily, thank you. Meanwhile, newly unsealed court records show a battle between the attorney representing the Gonsalves family, Shannon Gray, and the judge. According to documents, Gray doesn't believe he should have to follow the gag order, and he accused the Latah County prosecutor, Bill Thompson, of leaking information about the case to the media. Gray is still fighting for himself and his clients to be allowed to speak freely about the case. You can read the full story and see the court documents right now on KXLY.com. I almost feel like I should play something uh, from that. You know, I, I really expected more. Really? All right, here we go. The attorney representing the family of one of the University of Idaho murder victims we're talking about, the Gonsalves family, Shannon Gray, made the accusations in a court hearing in January. The hearing was held in chambers. Is How old is this? This is from today. All right, we'll keep going, though. The hearing was in held chambers, meaning it was not an open court. The information was previously sealed, so it's just been open. Monday, the judge in the case unsealed a summary of what happened. The judge in the case told the attorneys that the purpose of the meeting was in response to what she has been seeing and hearing from media sources. The November murders of Kaylin, Kaylee Gonsalves, Ethan Chapin, Madison Mogan, and Zanna Kernodal made headlines around the world and continue to do so. This is dry riding. 
Judge Marshall said she had been trying to ignore the coverage because she will be presiding over the preliminary preliminary hearing. She advised them not to speak to the media and said they needed to advise their clients about concerns with publicly sharing information. She told them that if they violated the non-dissemination order, she would have to either find them in contempt of her order and or report their actions to the Idaho State Bar. Shannon Gray, who lives in Oregon, has been representing the Gonsalves family and has given interviews on their behalf before the gag order was put in place. He's arguing that he should be exempt from the order and he is not representing the state or the defendant, Brian Kohlberger. In the hearing, another attorney says he is representing someone who could be a witness in the case. The attorney's name and potential witness name are both redacted. Also in the hearing, Grace says he believes the the Leta County Prosecution's Office is leaking information about what's in the probable cause document, which would violate the court's order. Prosecutor Bill Thompson denies the allegation, saying the state is concerned about the ability to impanel an impartial jury in what has been an incredibly high-profile case. Gray told the court he thinks it's unreasonable to think the court will find any jury in the U.S. who hasn't heard of the case. He says his client, Steve Gonsalves, kept this story alive during the investigation and that his comments helped the investigation overall. Gray has asked the court to reconsider whether he is subject to the gag order. Judge Marshall said this week, that could depend on the outcome of a similar case in which media organizations, including KXLY, have asked Idaho Supreme Court to step in and consider the gag order. Mm. So there you go. Time for your girl, Banfield. Our senior national correspondent, Brian there she Benson, is. Been digging through the- you know, I'm, I'm still not mad at Banfield, by the way. But somebody, uh, I heard rumors through the grapevine, through the this great uh, internet we have, that it's being put out there that I've been saying negative things about Banfield. I, I never have. Even the things that she said that are, you know, horrible and contemptible to most of you guys out there, I haven't held her responsible for because I know the role of producers. And I know the role of, you know, how dirty her job is in some regards that she has to do these things. She can't help herself. She just can't. What do you guys think? Can she help herself? Let's put a poll out. The warrant, the documents, every little piece of it to see how much we know and how much we don't. He's standing by live. So Brian, um, I, I suppose I'm not surprised by this list. It looks like they kind of just took whatever he was wearing off of him and that's the list we got but this other business about searching for the electronic devices etc we don't know if they got them do we no we don't i'm going to get to that but i just want to go back to the medical style gloves that they found on him that's one this of the, is the one i was there, watching actually. last night that certainly uh, stood out to me but you're right when we were um, tipped off that these search warrants were going to be unsealed we were waiting finally got them maybe today. he needed a turn and cough first thing i thought was well where's all the rest of the stuff well there's an explanation this is only uh the property list from the items seized off of Koberger himself so his clothing likely those gloves were maybe in a pocket his shoes his boxers his shirt all of that stuff we still all right, I'm going to end this poll right now. Should Jerry buy a Fruit Loop cowboy hat and wear it for a week? 72% said yes. 28% said no. 
That's enough for me to consider it. What do you what do you think about that? All right. I'm going to put up a poll right now, everybody. Do you think Ashley... I'm not going to put Ashley because I don't want to misspell it. I don't want to misspell it. Is in control of her content. Yeah, they got his draws, Brian's draws, y'all. Do you think Ashley do you, Banfield is in control of her content 100%? Got to stop for a poll. Start for a poll. Stop for a poll. Stop for a poll. Boing, 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 boing. Here we go. Still don't have the property list of the other search warrants. That would be for the house itself. And you'll remember when I was out there, Ashley, I saw that all the windows were broken and were duct taped. The police went into the house. We still don't have the items that they brought out of the house, maybe a cell phone, maybe or a computer. Don't have that list. We also don't have the list of what they got. You know, if this plays the whole thing I watched last night, you're going to see one of the weirdest damn interactions I think I've ever seen between Brian and Ashley where she keeps pushing them on the door being taped. It was just very odd. From inside Koberger's car, which of course is very important because that's the car the police uh, allege was, was at the murder scene. Uh, those are some of the documents we're hoping will be unsealed uh, possibly tomorrow or the next day, Ashley. I remember we're looking at the pictures that you shot. You were the only person out there, Brian, and you saw that front door of Brian's, uh, Brian Koberger's parents, and they had duct taped it over as though, you know, clearly they, the cops that went in for the raid had to go in with some force. So you got these pictures um, of what it looked like just yeah, moments the, afterwards. What? And I remember, Brian, didn't you say something like you could hear them whispering on the other side of that glass door? Do you explain what it was, what it was like? This is this is where it gets weird. Brian, didn't you say you could hear them whispering outside the door? Yeah. They said, Who the hell is that, honey? He's like, it's that it's that little nerdy ass, uh, gray haired little short guy, you know? What's his name? Sir Boopy Drawers or something? Yeah, he's not gonna say what they said. Come on, Ashley like when you were there that was a private conversation you know what they said yeah, i remember hearing his dad's voice who i thought was his dad's voice on the other side um and, and it almost looked like blinds there what you were showing but that was actually duct tape yeah, because what did the, the dad say he said out during the get the hell raid. off my lawn that's um, what he I said i could hear them whispering inside obviously you know they had really been through something that day but get, but we know get that the I hell off my lawn boy that's why i'm so interested to see what happens tomorrow uh when we think the additional uh, documents will be unsealed Okay, so that's the other thing. Um, they had a warrant for the residence, right? The home that we're looking at right now. 
They had a warrant for the garage, because that's considered separate. They had a warrant for his car. And even though it's all on the same property, they get these warrants separately. So do we expect that we're going to find out tomorrow when they, well, hopefully they unseal tomorrow, everything from the residence, everything boy? from the garage, and everything from, from his vehicle? They didn't unseal everything till tomorrow, guys. We think so. I mean, of course, there's no telling exactly what will happen, but based on the rules in Pennsylvania, they have 60 days to unseal the warrants. Uh, the warrant that was unsealed today hit the 60-day expiration date. Uh, the others will... Guys, if I haven't said it yet, and I forget every time, and it kills me, it's what kills me doing this, could you do me a big favor and please subscribe to this? Go ahead, you're watching. Subscribe to the show if you like me. Subscribe if you don't like me. Subscribe because, you know, you're going to want to know what I said. Hit that little bell, and that's for all notifications. That helps you join in the conversation here. That helps you join in the conversation hit the expiration date tomorrow officially from when they were signed off on that's why we think tomorrow could be another big day in terms of getting uh, getting some new information get off my line i'm not just gonna leave you with that From a computer tower to possible hair strands, we now know what police uncovered from University of Idaho murder suspect Brian Koberger's apartment the day he was arrested. These are the old things. Thanks for staying up with us. I'm Kirsten O'Connor. Here's what we're waiting on. This is what everybody's waiting on. I saw somebody incorrectly put on their community post that the warrant that they were showing and you know the one we've all seen with the gloves and the underdraws and the socks and the shoes which the only i guess is interesting it's all black but if this is what he had on this is far removed from the murder um i want to know we were we were all told they came in there with a swap team and arrested about 3 a.m turns out that wasn't true it was about 1 24 a.m right we all want to know is what kind of stuff did they get from the house from that house and they broke windows they did all kinds of things oh we all want to know don't we i mean if all they got was his funky draws then that's not cool man and a dna swab i mean there's a lot more than that we know we know here's some of the stuff they got from his house originally and I'm Aaron Luna. A newly his apartment. search warrant also reveals that investigators... You know, that's probably where we made. I made my mistake. They probably went to his apartment and got his stuff at 3 a.m. The stuff from his parents' house was at 124, so... Took cuttings from a pillow that had what they described in court documents as reddish-brown stains. Boop-boop. Tonight on Nightside, Rania Kaur joins us with what police were looking for and the additional details revealed about the crime scene. It was his pet poopy pillow. Aaron Kirsten, police were looking for it's absolutely anything that could be found at Brian Koberger's apartment that could connect him to the murder. In the search warrant, police say there was a lot of blood in the home where the four University of Idaho students were killed. They think some of that blood could have gotten on Koberger's clothes and shoes. Investigators also say Koberger could have brought hair from the victims or their dog back to his apartment inadvertently. From Koberger's home, police found eight possible hair strands. All right, guys, I'm playing this today because tomorrow is when we have what they come up with 
from his parents' house that he was staying at at the time. He was actually arrested there. Another possible strand. And apparently they arrested him naked. And of animal hair. They stripped him down. from a pillowcase that had reddish-brown stains. The Ew. search warrant tells us police were looking at Koberger's shoes. A footprint with the diamond tread was found at the murder scene. However, shoes were not listed on items taken from his apartment. Oh. Also in that list was a fire TV stick with a cord and plug in a computer tower. Some of those items could have data that would shed light on a motive. Detectives can look at the computer search history or search for the pictures of the victims. The home on King Road and the surrounding neighborhood. Even though the unsealed documents give us a full list of what police found at Koberger's home, we still don't know what's been tested and what evidence, if any, investigators it's have connected to the crime. We also don't know if investigators were able to find anything to use as evidence from his campus office at WSU. Those pieces of information could be revealed at Koberger's next court date, his preliminary hearing on June 26th. Koberger still has not entered a plea in this murder case. In studio tonight, I'm Ronnie Cole. He hasn't entered a plea yet, but he did say he hopes, he thinks he's going to be exonerated. All right, I'm looking through. I'll let you look through with me. The good old, ye old uh, Reddit Moscow murder, seeing if there's anything we're missing. Anything breaking as we come up here, a lot of times things will break. Uh, in case you're interested and missed the announcement, ID announced new hour-long special, the Idaho College murder, Sunday, March 12th. Guys, I'm covering this today, Idaho 4. If I don't have Idaho 4 information, I won't be talking about it at all. Um, I've got a lot of other information about other crimes right now that we're going to go over here in a minute. And, of course, I got some flaming stuff from the Murdoch trial. So just bear with me as we go through this. If you're tired of hearing of Idaho 4, uh, for some reason I'm not. What what do you guys think about this story? It's right here. Reddit banned the channel for fans of Idaho murder suspect Brian Kolberger. We went over this. We went over this. It was called um, Brian Nation. You remember that? And they talked about this on Banfield too, but hell, you heard about it first here. What I didn't know is it... Um, Reddit finally took it down. It says it was the most prominent of several unsettling fan groups to merge on social media following Nothing Burger's arrest late last year for the 13th of November murders. The group grew to more than 500 members before it was recently banned from the platform. Holy crap, got 500. How many members do we have here now? They're making 500 people sound like a mass mob. How many do we have on Midnight Radio members now? Let me check. Uh, Bueller. We have, what's, mm, I don't know. Uh, 6.8 thousand. Uh, they had 500. I mean, just, I'm trying to put this in perspective. The group grew to more than 500, okay? All right, let's continue. Before it's banned from the platform for violating Reddit's moderator code of conduct, a notice declaring the ban does not spe- specify when exactly it was put in place or for what specific violations were. You know, I'm I'm gonna read a little bit more, and then I, I there's an important reason I bring this up, and I want to talk with you about it 
and maybe I'll change your mind. In the aftermath of the murders and Mr. Nothingburger's arrest six weeks later, true crime fans flocked to online forums to fill an information gap left by authorities who first cited the integrity of the investigation as a reason they did not share details about the probe and now are banned from speaking about the case due to gag order. In addition to spreading misinformation and conspiracy theories, some of the online communities served as a space for fans of the accused murder to openly talk about their attraction to him, including Brian Nation. The description of the group stated that it was a subreddit for Brian Colberger girls. While posts are no longer visible on the site, they can still be seen on the Internet Archive site. InternetArchive.org The archive shows how some members maintain that Mr. Uh, Nothingburger is innocent while others voice their support for him if he's guilty. And I'm going to go down. Uh, other posts were, you know, overtly sexual comments as well as collages of his photos and fan fiction stories about him. Guys, I did this one show about him and it has a picture of his face on a buff dude and um, him smiling with a deputy. That th- Both those were faked, of course. And that was from Brian Nation. That wasn't from me. It was when I was reporting on the Brian Nation story. Now they're uh, gone. Is one of the pictures they had, and it was in when I presented the story to you guys. Now they're banned, and I'm pissed about it because they debunked so many things. It wasn't, it might have been, man, it seemed like about 13, there's only like 500 people. There's about 13% of people that were demented and wanting to have some kind of relationships some kind of sexual fantasy about this guy but the rest of them were just there for a laugh but those 13 percent would say things and do things and the others would debunk things in the media and they did a hell of a job about it uh there were also like trolls there you know so there was a troll story which is an untrue story where they were acting like they put money as a Valentine's Day gift on Cole Berger's account, which never happened. This was picked up by national media. This was picked up by Banfield. This was picked up by, new, uh, what was it? Inside Edition. It, and it was debunked there on Brian Nation. All right? And there was another story, too, that Banfield reported on. And it was debunked by Brian Nation. And one of those stories is the supposed firing paperwork of Brian Kohlberger. And it's gone now. So, Brian Nation is gone now when it did have some positive aspects. Do you think this is a horrible thing? Do you think this is a hit against freedom of speech? Because... Maybe it is. Again, there's certain rules when you enter somebody else's platform, but apparently nothing was violated. Just some thoughts. I want to know what you think. Matter of fact, how about we put up a poll? All right, let's look at a poll again. Do you think Banfield is in control of her content 100%? 77% said no. I don't, yeah, I agree with you. I think she has to do what she has to do or nada, show's over. That's what I think. So it's just a little hard for me to hate her. All right, so I was asking you about 
35 votes. Come on, guys. Even if you're not a member here, you can still vote. Uh, you just can't talk. All right, start a poll. I want you, I want to know about do do you think it's right that Brian Nacio's pulled down? I want to know what you think about that. I I didn't like it, but it was a good source of information. I mean, just saying, that's how I feel. There's still a fan. Is there a fan club for Ted Bundy? Is it because there was uh, a lot of people trolling the people that loved, that actually did like Cole Berger? I'm a little bit confused, but it was a good... Uh, place. Yes, I love Pellegrino. It's my favorite. He goes, I've been drinking regular water. And I'm going to open up a new one right now. I'll drink two every episode. I love polls. Electra likes polls. All right, here we go. I got another news story here and about two dozen more after that. But we're pretty soon going to wrap it up on the Idaho 4 until tomorrow. We're going to, after this, we're going to check, talk about jacked up grills. What? And the summer's not even here yet. We're going to talk about grills. Tell I'm from Texas. Hell, in Texas, we even grill our beans. I like to grill pizza, too. More warrants used by authorities. We're less than 24 hours Brian away Coburn. from the unsealing of more warrants used by authorities in their search of Brian Coburger's family home in the Poconos. Court officials say they'll be released tomorrow morning. Coburger is the quadruple homicide suspect who remains locked up in Idaho as he awaits his next court hearing in June. 69 News reporter Priscilla Liguori is here with an update. Priscilla? Haziel, this is something we were expecting since in Pennsylvania, search warrants unseal after 60 days from when they were signed, unless a motion is filed earlier. So this is right on schedule with that two-month mark. A silver flashlight, four medical-style gloves, a white T-shirt, black Nikes, and a black sweatshirt, sock shorts, boxers, all seized in the poke. Sock shorts, boxers. Wearing a thunder drawth. Pair of Under Armour drawth socks. Man, I tell you what, as someone that works with audio, I just want to get a hold of the audio and everything I'm listening to tonight. All right, one silver flashlight. What's up with that? Where did he keep the flashlight if he was in bed in his underdrawers? That is a question. Did he flash down? Who the hell? Who's that? That is a question about the flashlight. Why is the flashlight with his clothing at 1.24 a.m. in the morning? Of course, I'd be up. They'd arrest me in my under drawers, cradling my, my television remote, watching my Ashley Banfield. But I wouldn't have a black sweatshirt on. Big-ass size 13 Nike shoe water skis. pair of Under Armour socks. Large white shorts. Under Armour black boxer large. And a buccal swab. 
Knows. Significant because the surviving roommate said the masked man inside their home was wearing all black. The FBI also got a cheek swab from Brian Koberger as agents descended on the otherwise quiet Chestnut Hill Township Monroe County neighborhood in December. This latest search warrant to be unsealed shows investigators were looking for everything and anything connected to the slayings of the four Idaho college students. The document confirms what many suspected. There were boots on the ground surveilling the property, an area for days before the arrest. There's still a gag order on the case. When Koberger was arrested, investigators said they were limited on what they could share before the trial, but to pay attention to what gets made public, aka court hearings or documents like this, as they may contain key details. It was recently announced that the home where the gruesome killings took place will be demolished. We are still waiting to find out what may have been seized from Koberger's car. We'll let you know what's in those newly unsealed documents on air and online. Hasiel. Thank you, Priscilla. Man, that is the most unenthusiastic news person I've ever seen. Man. The enthusiasm. Come on. You're a professional, man. Come on. This tripped me out, guys. Yeah, so to, basically, the real paperwork comes out tomorrow. You know, my question to you is this. Let me look at our poll. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on, guys. Poll, 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 poll. Poll, 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 poll. What do we got now? I can't. I don't know how many. Do you think it's right that Brian Nation was pulled down? Uh, 60% of you guys said no. You know, I'm not saying do you think it should have existed. I'm not saying do you, you know, find... Brian Colbers are attractive or the pronouncing your love for him online is a good thing. But do you think it should have been tore down? I mean, even if you think it should have, I'm we got some really, and I'm not talking just for clicks and views. I got some good information from Brian nation and it's gone now. That's dangerous. What I want to know now, man, I don't even think I'm gonna do a poll for this one. Maybe you guys can call in. Three two five two six one zero eight nine two. If you're listening to the show and you have a comment or question, you call that number. Send me a message. Leave me a voicemail message. I'll play it on the show. I'll get back with you. All right. Do you think? So the actual information is going to hit tomorrow. I'll just say that, and we'll continue with this uh, information. This is just about as scary to me. Exclusive joint investigation with Kaiser Health News into an unproven dental device. Now, some former patients allege in lawsuits against its inventor that it damaged Scares their the mouths, and then some of them say that they lost their teeth. Yikes. Our consumer investigative cons- correspondent, that's Anna Warner, first started looking into this last year. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, Gail. Yeah, CBS News partnered with KHN on a nine-month investigation of what's been called the Anterior Growth Guidance Appliance, or AGA. The inventor says this device has been used on more than 10,000 patients. And AKA agony. It's actually changing the way your jaw is. Claimed it could cure serious health conditions, sleep apnea and the jaw joint disorder called TMJ. But our investigation found no peer-reviewed studies to back his claims. What we did find? Patients who said the device mangled their mouths. A warning. What we did find is a bunch of jacked up grills. Some of the pictures you'll see may be disturbing. Holy. Hey guys. I hope nobody's eating right now. 
I'm not joking. Clarinetist Boya Kragulia performed with symphonies around the world. This was her in 2013. Uh, I've spent my entire life studying the instrument and uh, trying to... That was her a few years ago. And Lordy, you should see her smile now. Climb up the ladder of being a musician and always getting better at doing it. But a breathing difficulty interfered with her playing. My jaws are both too far back and therefore it impinges on the airway and makes the airway really quite small. Surgeons told her she needed double jaw surgery to move both her upper and lower jaw forward. But then she heard about a device on Facebook called an... Man, this is disturbing. Something, some kind of major surgery you need to do in order to keep your job going. Like maybe, maybe a DJ who needs an ass implant because he doesn't have one. No, I'm not talking about me. I'm fine. Anterior Growth Guidance Appliance, or AGA, a retainer-like appliance promoted as something that could expand the upper jaw without surgery. It's Lordy. predictable, it's stable, and it's safe. This is the AGA's inventor, Tennessee dentist Dr. Steve Golella, seen here in Australia training dentists to use his device in 2017. He claimed that AGA could cure problems like TMJ and sleep apnea. Can you cure TMJ? Yes. Can you cure mild to moderate sleep apnea? Yes. Even make patients look better. Good-looking people get all the breaks, they get the best jobs, they get the most money. And he said it would benefit the dentist too it's okay to make a crap load of money you're not ripping anybody off you're curing them you're helping them you're making their life totally beautiful forever and ever Kragulia says she went to a dentist who told her she'd attended one of those training courses how did she explain to you what the appliance was going to do she said that the appliance would grow the jaws forward she says she paid some $15,000 for the AGA treatment using a device like this one that attaches to right, front and back teeth. 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 Soon, teeth. she says, she noticed a gap between her oh, teeth, teeth and the teeth behind them. Something she Holy God. Oh, her. Jesus. Oh, damn it. Oh, no, no. All right, I'm going to put a link to all this in the show notes. It doesn't get prettier from here, I'll tell you. Good Lord Almighty. I'm a little bit squeamish when it comes to teeth. Are you guys? Man, it gets worse. Her jawbone was growing forward. I thought it was sort of miraculous and exciting. But as the mother went by, Jesus. she says, her front teeth flared out. Oh, her dentist put on braces she said were part Holy of the treatment. Holy shit. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, guys. Freaking me out. Freaking me out. I got chill bumps on my arm. Oh, this, this, man, God. And yet I can't stop looking. Says her teeth Holy were loose Moses. and painful. God Almighty! So finally, she Holy went to for a second opinion. Oh yeah. Jesus! Oh God! It's like putting chiclets on a balloon. All right, I'm gonna look again. Lifted my lip up, and just immediately said it was the worst thing he'd ever seen. Holy Jesus! How is braces gonna fix that? This scum sucking. Charlatan. There was no reviews to see if this thing worked. Uh, mechanically, 
Is it doing that to your jaw? Yes. Can she breathe better? I'll have to listen to the rest of this later to find out. Holy crap, she sure can't eat an apple. I mean that. This poor lady. I see she got it fixed a little bit now. She can put her bottom lip down. What about the other people? Man, this is breaking news right here. Man. Okay, I'm going to have to take a breather here. All right, I got some clarifications on the Lisa Edwards case. The day after we did, the day or the day after, two days after we did cover the story here on Midnight Radio about Lisa Edwards, and we're still trying to get in contact with representatives for her her family, trying to get a hold of her family, because we want to know more about her. That's why I want to talk to her family. I know they there's a pending there is a pending lawsuit with the police department, and um, you know I'm going to infringe on that, but I do want to talk to the family because I want to know more about her. But I do have a little bit more information for you guys about her, and they did have a protest because there's a lot of people upset in Knoxville, Tennessee. So that is a thing that's happening right now. This protest. All right. Let me go over the timeline of this. All right. Let me make sure you guys release of can see everything here. All right. Some of you guys like to like to look on your big screen following the death of Lisa Edwards in police custody and the release of video showing how officers interacted with her before her death. Some have raised questions about why officers were not charged or what led up to the situation. The following is the timeline of information collected by WATE relating the situation. All right, before January 4th, 2023, let me get my glasses on. Edward's son and daughter-in-law shared that Lisa moved from Tennessee to Rhode Island around Christmas time, 2018, before she had a stroke in August of 2019. The stroke left her physically disabled and she was unable to use her left side. According to her family, a release from the district attorney mentioned that Edwards was wheelchair bound. So this is prior. On January 4th, I'm sorry, February 4th, Lisa Edwards flew from Rhode Island. This is this February. She flew from Rhode Island where she was go- where she was living in a nursing home to Knoxville. And during the flight, she began complaining of abdominal pain. According to the Knox County District Attorney, a release from the DA's office said that once the plane landed at McGee Tyson Airport, she was taken by paramedics to Blunt Memorial Hospital where she was diagnosed with constipation before she was discharged. Edwards sought additional treatment at Fort Sanders Regional Medical Center where she was admitted and observed overnight. That was February 4th. February 5th, around 6.55 a.m., Edwards was discharged. All right? From Fort Sanders Regional Medical Center, but she refused to leave the hospital, the DA said. According to the release from the district attorney's Fort Sanders Regional Medical Center security officers, issued Edwards a trespassing warning for disruptive behavior, trespassing, before calling the Knoxville Police Department. 
A spokesman for the police department said that around 7.40 a.m., officers were dispatched to the medical center in reference to a woman who was discharged and refusing to leave the hospital. The DA said that the security officers told Knoxville police officers that Edwards had been evaluated, discharged, and was refusing to leave. After officers asked Edwards to leave, and she repeatedly refused, they decided to arrest her for trespassing, the DA office said. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of this to you because if you've been following our show, you've actually seen the video of this, but there is more. Um, On February 6th, oh, wait, wait, here we go. The district attorney offices said that the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation had been notified and that an internal administrative review would be conducted by the Internal Affairs Unit to see if department policies or procedures were violated. The release... um, The release from Knoxville police also stated that three officers and a transportation wagon driver were placed on routine administrative leave. Uh, Administrative leave or suspensions, whatever you want to call that, that's what they did. February 6th, Lisa Edwards died at Fort Sanders Regional Medical Center. The same place that kicked her out. February 7th, Knoxville police released an email that the woman who went unresponsive while in custody of Knoxville police died on Monday, February 6th. The autopsy was conducted and found that she was she died of a stroke. The district attorney's office said in a press release that she died of natural causes, specifically from an ischemic stroke due to arteriosclerotic sclerotic Man, I can't read that. Cardiovascular disease. I know what it is. It's from uh, the kind that scars your veins in your heart. The autopsy report also mentioned that hypertensive cardiovascular disease, morbid obesity, chronic alcohol abuse, acute bronchitis, and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease significantly contributed to her death. So is this cool for the district attorney to release this private medical information? Talking about the way this woman died, like trying to debase her because of the way she lived, because that had nothing to do with the way she was treated. And so that upset me, I will tell you that. So here's what he said multiple law enforcement v- videos were reviewed to gather additional context surrounding mrs edwards death from a review of these videos it is evident that at no time did law enforcement interaction cause or contribute to miss edwards death we're going to come back to that specifically mrs edwards was not beaten by police no she wasn't she was never subdued there was a physical struggle between law enforcement and miss edwards no there wasn't even though they threatened and there was no restraint, asphyxia. Rather, Miss Edwards went into cardiac arrest in the back of a police cruiser due to a combination of natural diseases. Because of this, the DA determined that no criminal charges would be filed according to the release. Now, let's go back to that part I said we'd go back to. 
At no time did law enforcement interaction cause or contribute to Miss Edwards' death. Bullshit. The fact that she even had to interact with you contributed to her death. She should have still been in the hospital, not talking to you, not being talked to rudely by you. The fact that she even had to interact with him when she said she was having a stroke and had signs of it. Now, we did talk to a nurse before, and she said there was one in the uh, chat room, and there was another one I talked to. I think I talked to two of them on the phone, actually. I said you could tell that you know she couldn't use her left side. Well, they're saying that she already had a stroke in her. She didn't have use of her le- left side before. So... But you could tell by her blood flow, but she had chronic heart conditions. They're still investigating this, and I, uh, so they have a couple officers on administrative leave, and they have a whole lot of people protesting this right now. The way they treated that lady just was not right, and it's not just going to go away. I got a follow-up story to this. It talks better about the investigation. It's more thorough. Police Chief Paul Noel said he was disturbed and embarrassed when he watched the videos of the incident. My expectation is that our officers treat every person they encounter, regardless of the context or situation, with respect, dignity, and basic decency. Okay? Now he's talking about his officers. I think the DA is an asshat. For the way he approached the situation. It seemed to me like he was trying to throw out her illness. Her illnesses from the way she lived like she was less of a person. Uh, It's more on her. She's an alcoholic. No. That's not right. And you're a DA, a district attorney. So guess what? That's a voted in position. So your ass is accountable. DA asshat. Think about that. Yeah, I lived in Knoxville for a long time, guys. I'm taking this a little bit personally. My son was delivered in Blunt Memorial. My expectation is that our officers treat every person they encounter, regardless of the context or situation, with respect, dignity, and basic decency. We should also take pride in helping those who need it. No, I added all four officers, Sergeant Brandon Wardlow, Officer Adam Bartnett, Barnett, Officer Timothy DeStalso, and Transportation Officer Danny Dugan are on administrative leave pending an internal review. An investigation into the incident by the TBI did not produce criminal charges, but that investigation did not determine whether the officers violated departmental policies or civil law. All right. This is from the protest. These are photos from the protest. Brad Cox, brother of Lisa Edwards, he spoke during a vigil for Edwards outside of the city county building in downtown Knoxville on Monday, February 27th. I can't breathe. Folgers Coffee is left as part of a memorial for Lisa after the vigil. Edwards outside of the city county building. A lot of us are upset about this. She just moved away from her family.
Charity McNish holds up oatmeal and Folgers coffee during a vigil for Lisa Edwards. Oh, this is a dig at the cop. I just want my Folgers coffee and my oatmeal. Edwards is a 60-year-old woman who collapsed. He keeps repeating that. Oatmeal and my coffee. Oatmeal is strewn on the ground during a vigil for Lisa Edwards outside of the city, county, building in downtown Knoxville on Monday, February 27th, 2023. Now, forever, oatmeal and coffee is going to be the call of a bullying asshole, I tell you. It's a vigil, vigil protest. Man, so sad. We are Lisa. Nurse standing by. A lot of nurses are upset about this, but also a lot of nurses realize there's gaps in policies in the hospital too. A lot of people are mad at the hospital. All right. Moving on here. We'll get to old Murdoch here in a minute. Oh boy, are we ever. Get through some of these first though. Check this out. Mexican president. Oh. Post photos of what he claims is a Mayan elf. What the what? The Mexican president. True story. Mexican president posted on Post a photo on his social media accounts on Saturday showing what he appeared to be a mythological woodland spirit similar to an elf. Guys, you think in this age of misinformation and a government that wants to crack down on misinformation that if your president puts up a photo of an elf that he should be kicked off Twitter for misinformation? I mean, they did the same to Trump. Hell, I don't even know what he posted because I... I'd have nothing to do with Twitter, but he didn't seem to be joking when he posted this. A lux is a mischievous woodland spirit in Maya folklore. He wrote the photo was taken three days ago by an engineer. It appears to be in a lux, adding everything is mystical. Maybe pulled it down now. Let's see. Nope, he's sticking by it. 8,673 retweets, not a whole lot. I just thought I would let you know about the president posting something about an elf, Woodland Spirit. This is a disturbing story coming up here. I don't know how many of you have been following it, but if you're, the Chinese are in an uproar over this. The ex-husband and former in-laws of a slain Hong Kong model were put in custody without bail Monday on a joint murder charge after police found parts of her body in a refrigerator. Ex-husband Alex Kwong, his father Kwong Ka, and his brother Anthony Kwong were charged with murdering model Abby Choi. Kwong was arrested and 
He was attempting to flee the city by boat. Try to see her picture here. So sad, dismemberment. From Hong Kong to the cover of Lore, Lore Afiel, yeah. Monaco, my journey as a style icon continues. Grateful for this recognition and the continued support along the way. Very sad story. She went missing on February 21st, according to a report filed later with Hong Kong police. On Friday, police found her dismembered body in a refrigerator in a house rented by Quang Ka and Lu Ming Sin, a suburb, a part of Hong Kong, about 30 minutes drive from the border with mainland China. On Sunday, authorities discovered a young woman's skull believed to be Choi, Choi, or mm, in a cooking pod that was seized from the house, officials believe that a hole in the right rear of the skull is where the fatal attack struck her. So very sad. The, ha- the house was equipped with an electric saw and a meat grinder that had been used to mince human flesh. Two pots of stew believed to contain human tissue were left at the scene, he added. Choi had financial disputes among tens of millions of Hong Kong involving tens of millions of Hong Kong dollars with her ex-husband and his family, adding that some people were unhappy with how Choi handled her financial assets. We believe the victim and her ex-husband family had financial disputes involving huge sums. Someone was dissatisfied with how the victim handled her assets, which became a motive to kill. Her best friend said she had four children, two sons ages 10 and 3, Two daughters, ages eight and six, Kwong, 28, fathered the elder two, and her current husband, Chris Tam, was the father of the younger children. Tam said he was very thankful to have had her in his life and praised her for being supportive. When she was alive, she was a very kind person. She always wanted to help. He was quoted as saying in the post, I feel anyone who had a chance to be her family and friend are blessed. He said that she's the kind of person that uh, didn't have enemies. I hear that a lot. Very sad story. Put links in the show notes, guys. We're 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 on to Murdoch now, but there's some stuff. Of course, there's the murder walk, and someone sent me some really good footage of that. Uh, let me see if anybody's been calling while I've been talking here. I got uh, uh, uh. yes. Heck yeah, someone bought some Pellegrino. Cole Berger investigation. Yes, someone sent me the Banfield clip I played. You already? I got a salesman, and I've got my voice. Nobody called me. None you did. None you. All right, here we go. Okay, this is an expert drops bombshell theory about two shooters. Uh, I'm not going to play that. That was from yesterday or the last show. He did testimony from partner and friend. I'll play a little bit of this. And then I've got the clip that really 
you know, where he loses his crap and starts yelling at Murdoch. We want to see that, don't we? Country and really across the state right now and across the South that uh, we have a rule that you don't ride the property without a rifle because you want to try to eliminate as many hogs as you can. And we also trap them. To your observation, did Alec have a good relationship with the local law enforcement community? My observation was Alec had a very good relationship with, uh, be probably better than the rest of us, saving his father. Um, did you on multiple occasions go over in great detail uh, Alec's original story as to what he did on the night of the murders? On more than one occasion, um, we discussed his story as I testified to, uh, I don't know how many weeks ago that was, but it was, it was a while. And what, if anything, did the defendant tell you about whether or not he checked Paul and Maggie before calling 911? My um, understanding of what he told me was that he uh, checked them before he called 911. And was he clear on that point to you? It, that was clear to me. When was the first time you've heard the defendant's latest story admitting that he was, in fact, at the kennels minutes before the victims were killed? I, I haven't watched uh, all of this trial uh, like a lot of people have, but when I heard that um, Ellett was taking the stand, I believe it was last Thursday, I did uh, set up my workstation so that I could uh, watch his testimony. I and knew it. And uh, when he told told you that he was at the kennels was the first time that I'd ever heard that. Did Alec ever tell you that he thought the boat case had anything to do with the murders? Consistent with what Alec told uh, in his testimony, he specifically told me that and told us that he did not believe that anyone on the boat had anything to do with it. I don't recall any other conversations uh, with him related to the boat case, but, but he, he specifically did not believe, and I think that's what he said last week. That he Put that whole link to that whole thing, but I got where he gets mad. So I do. And I got some good stuff. Hold on. I'll find it. Here we go. Boom. Moment Alex Murdoch, defense attorney, shouts at his friend of 25 years during rebuttal case. I want to see this. Let me refresh. Where did that? Oh, come on. All right, let me see if I can get that somewhere else. Come on. Oh, yes. Yes. Here it is. This is better, guys. I'm sorry, guys. Recording on Zoom. Oh, what? 
All right, here we go. Ninety-five percent of the people hearing a voiceover. You would. All right, here we go. Would you take a shotgun to hunt up? Yes. Would you take an AR weapon too? No. Why? I mean, them hogs are out there, right? Well, they don't usually come in a dove field when you're shooting dove. So well, I, I don't know. I just you you just wouldn't, uh, Mr. Uh, Hartpootlian, uh, typically. I mean, but it's daytime, you're riding around the property. You got a shotgun. You got a slug in that shotgun, or are you using bird shot? Uh, you would shoot um, bird shot. Okay. So if a hog came up, nothing you could do. If a hog came into a dove field with a bunch of dove hunters, well, maybe they would shoot at him regardless. <laughs> maybe you're on your way to the dove field. You don't. The dove field's not right next to the house, is it? Uh, it's yes. It's right within a few a couple, few hundred yards. Boarded by the swamp. The swamp's on one end of it. Yeah. Okay. And where do the hogs live during the day, primarily? Well, they can live in a swamp, they can live in a bay, you know, it can be anywhere, but largely in the swamp. The swamp. So a hog could have come out of that swamp? Yes. And you were unarmed? As I said, if a hog came in a dove field near somebody dove hunting, they would probably shot with a bird shot. Would that kill a hog? If, if it was close enough, but, but unlikely. But unlikely. So you have, in fact, ridden around Moselle without... A gun to kill a hog, appropriate gun to kill a hog. Well, yes, if I was going over to the dove field, I wouldn't have one. But you, you've never ridden as Paul and Alec did that afternoon, just looking at different, like where deer, deer they, what do they call them? Where they plant stuff for deer? Food plants? Yeah. Um, or um, looking around at uh, how these fruit trees were doing. Remember the, the um, Snapchat video? I, I've never uh done that with Alec and uh, that, that I recall, but it, I could have in the past, but I, I don't have a specific recollection. Or where they planted some corn for, I guess you use corn for deer and ducks? Uh, you do, but you don't plant them in the same spot. No, I, I get that. Uh, one would be near a pond or in a pond or around a pond? Correct. They had a duck pond. Right. And then the others would just be out where the deer might come out and try to feed. Right. Uh, look, we don't need to go there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. But um, you've never rode around like that with them, looking at different plantings and that you that you remember. I don't have a specific recollection of doing that with Alex. Okay. But, but and would you? You're not telling this jury that they would not do. They would not. They would do that with uh, without a um, blackout. But they could, I mean, would it bother you or offend you or scare you that you, they're riding around the property during the daytime without the blackout? No. I, I, Maybe you could give me something more specific. Husband's killed, wife's severely injured. That kind of thing. Yeah. Now, is it your experience in people who undergo, maybe they're not hurt, but their loved one is hurt, maybe killed? Um, in that situation, that's a traumatic experience for the surviving person, correct? To see their loved one killed? 
Yes. Okay. And so when you sit down with those folks and be, you know, begin to recount with them, what happened that night? Oftentimes, I do a little work like you do, um, oftentimes those folks misremember or get times wrong or because they went through this very traumatic experience and the closer to that experience, the more likely they are to get some things wrong. Times, for instance. Is that your experience? They can, but I also find that uh, people who have been in, uh, involved in traumatic experiences try to be uh, very, uh, try to be very accurate with the details because they know it's important to me honest, representing them. Being honest. And typically, you don't go out to the scene of the crime and interview or the scene of the action and interview them that night, do you? Typically. Uh, well, typically you don't because you, you know you don't know it. It's happened. Um, well, sometimes in the old days they used to do that, but they don't do that anymore, right? It, that would be very rare. So you're seeing them in your office weeks later? Somewhere that you. What is the real oh, story? Oh, no, what of January the? No. Who cares about January? It's February, bucko. Oh, I, I, no, I think I want to answer the question to help them get a am or. When there's a catastrophic injury, typically the uh, highway patrol will get try to interview people as quickly as they can, and they will. Uh, we oftentimes have it on video off a dash cam or sometimes body cam, but and, and a lot of times written statements and written statements from witnesses saw it happen. Correct. And so when you interview those people, they have the benefit of reviewing whatever you have to help them get a better recollection of what happened, correct? That's, that's correct. Okay. So the instance you're talking about where um, Alec told you he turned him over before um, he made the 911 call, whatever it was, I'm not quite sure, before I think is what you said. Um, if that would be inconsistent with something he says later on, after having reviewed other people's statements, looking at video, um, that would not be unusual in your business. I think you just said it would not be unusual, correct? Strike, you, you, strike, you, you, strike. You're trying to take me somewhere that you probably don't want to. Oh, I, I, no, I think I want to answer the question. Withdraw the question. Let me ask you this question. Maybe this gets to the to the meat of matter here. If you had to come out of pocket to pay back the money he stole, yes. And if you, how much? I, I, don't tell me you don't know. Well, we're still counting, Mr. Hartboot. Well, how much have you paid Ooh. so far? We have had to uh, borrow millions to pay back. No, how much have you had to come out of pocket? Well, when you borrow it, you got to pay it back. And I couldn't tell you how much has exactly been paid back uh, as of we sit here today. But yes, and, and if you're implying that I would come in here and somehow shade truth in any way because of that, that's... Yeah, I would take high offense with that, Mr. Well, Harpoot. I'm concerned about your high offense. Are you angry at him for stealing your money? I have no feeling one way or the you other. I don't have any feeling about Alec Murdoch betraying you and stealing your money. You're, I, I admire you. I don't know that I can look beyond that. Jackson, Your Honor, is sustained. There's not a question. Ooh, he's looking at him. He's like, let me check. You are not angry with Alec Murdoch? Oh, look at that face. He's like. Do you realize who you're talking to? 
He's looking at him like, hey, that's enough. Argument. You. <laughs> yeah. It's super not done. These. Yeah, it's not done. Are not angry with Alec Murdoch. I have had anger with him, extreme anger, Mr. Hartpootlin, because of what he did to my law firm, my partners, my client, his his clients, our clients, what he did to his family, what he's did to so many people. Yes, I experienced a lot of anger. But you can't walk around with anger. You have to find a way to deal with it and move forward. And I have done that. And if you suggest you are dead wrong, if you think I've come in here and told this jury something because of money when we we're talking about two people who were brutally murdered then you're 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 headed in the wrong direction you think he did it i don't have i don't have an opinion i don't have the benefit of the materials you have well let me ask you this you're that's my lawyer right there man angry with him stole millions of dollars from your firm you admit your firm's not even called the murdoch firm anymore right it is not. I don't admit that I'm angry right now. I told you I've gotten away from that. I don't have any feelings because you can't walk around with anger. I have been very, very angry about it because of what he's done. And he did it in a very callous way, a very deceitful way. And you carry no, I, I'm sorry, maybe I just saw some anger there. Were you angry just a moment ago? No, you. you keep trying to push a question and don't want to accept my answer. Which is what it is. That you've just given your 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 Zen, your Nirvana, your whatever the Your objection. Mr. Harpootlin, I came to the scene of these murders to support my partner. I was there. I saw things that hadn't even been talked about in this courtroom. I was there. I, I, I love Paul very much. I thought I knew who Alec was. I did not. And it's hard to, 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 you might not understand, but it's just, it's hard to, to, to walk around with, with anger and hard to even walk around with it when it's with somebody you, you didn't know and didn't understand. So you, you, you might have, have been that way, but, you know, I've got a function, I've got a family, I've got to move on with life. Were you aware that he went to rehab in 2017? I was not, other than what, what was said uh, by Alec in this courtroom. You never were aware he had a drug problem? I was unaware. Okay. Sort of. And, you, and, and if I would have been known, I would have tried to help him. I'm so fat. Oh! It's the shirt. So discombobulating. You indicated that uh, he could be emotional in trying a case, correct? Every time a commercial comes on, there's a lot of people in the chat room saying, Jerry, why can't you afford, why can't you afford, uh, you know, YouTube Prime? They should give it to me, all the money they make off me, right? But I can't afford it. One, I'm out of a job, too. All the money I get from YouTube goes on the radio license. Check out those sweet tunes after the broadcast. He, he could be, he could, he was uh, theatric, much like his father and grandfather had a courtroom theatrics, uh, and, and he could be emotional. Any of your other partners that way? Johnny Parker? No, Johnny's quite the opposite. Johnny's very, uh... Laconic, I believe, is the best yeah, way to Yeah, he, he doesn't show emotion. Who, any, nobody else in your firm was theatric or emotional? Not to Ellis, uh, level. You don't know any other lawyers in the state that go to that level? 
you're asking me a question right now. I don't know. You might um, yourself. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what other lawyers do. I'm usually uh, trying cases against defense attorneys, so I don't. I don't get to see plaintiffs' lawyers anymore. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for. Let me ask you one last thing. This Bulware guy that he stole all the money from. Mr. Bulware, remember him? Yes, I remember him. How much money did you steal from him? Do you remember? He stole seventy-something thousand in June of 2018. Mr. Bulware died in September, I believe, of 2018. I believe another 270-something thousand after Mr. Bulware's death, sometime in uh, in or around February of 2019. Have you and your partners paid Mr. Bulware's estate or his folks back? Yes, I met with them personally. Okay. And even though it's cost you your firm and it's cost millions of dollars to you, you have forgiven him? You bear him I, no I, I, I didn't say I forgave him. You're just not angry about it anymore. I said I have no feelings. And, and I had to work on that, Mr. Hartpootlin. You know, it, it, when you go through what we've gone through, not only the trauma of losing people we loved in a double homicide, seeing the out aftermath and then learning that someone you've worked with for more than 20 years had been stealing for throughout a period of time and deceiving us, there's a lot of emotion there. And yes, it, it, it was bad in the fall of 2021, and I have found a way to have no feelings. It's not forgiveness. It's just I don't have any. You're not angry here today. You're not angry at him at all. I'm, I'm not angry. If, okay. if, if I raise my voice, it's only because of the implication that you were trying to the make out. The implication that you might not want to help him in front of this jury here today because, I, because well, let me finish the question, because he destroyed your firm. He stole millions of dollars you had to pay back. Um, he deceived you. You've, all that's away and is not influencing your, your uh, testimony here today at all. If you'd answer that yes or no, then you can explain. All those things happen, and it does not influence my testimony. I take the oath that I just took very seriously. And if you've got any indication that anything I said was inaccurate, I'll be glad to, to, to address it with you. Well, the jury can judge that. Thank you. That guy, that lawyer, Harputin, he had nothing but trying to plant that seed. He tried to plant the seed. You guys think he did a good job? Did Harputin... Plant that seed. All right. I got more. Let's see what I got here. Oh, gosh. More dark stories. You guys like dark stories. I want to say welcome to our new members. And who who gave out that? Thank you, Dealey. Dilly very much. Appreciate it so much. I gave out free memberships. If you watch us live here... At YouTube, you guys can get memberships. You get free, free things. If you're a membership, if you're a midnighter or above, then you have the ability to go into our Discord. There's a lot going on to our Discord, and uh, you're probably going to enjoy it very much. And we have exclusive membership videos, member videos, and membership streams, both in Discord and on YouTube. So now you have a free membership. You guys can enjoy that. If you want to be in Discord, email me. Let me know. And uh, we'll, I'll give you the link. If you don't have it, you can get it on our our community tab 
or you can email me, let me know you want a discord and I'll do that. And I'll give you uh, rights there on, so you can see everything on discord. All right. Check this story out, guys. A lot of dark stories. Matter, matter of fact, I, I share a lot of stories that I don't, that don't make it to the show on our discord. Thompson, we're charges in the deadly January shooting at the Legacy of Vincent are appeared in court today for a preliminary hearing just four weeks after the incident. 20-year-old Ashton Elliott and 19-year-old Demarcus Thompson were both charged with reckless murder in the deaths of 20-year-old Caitlin Jenkins and 20-year-old Quan Let me make sure I got the right story here. Yeah, no, I don't. Here we go. In jail, accused of a Marshall County man is in jail, accused of murdering his 78-year-old no, mother. The Marshall right. County Sheriff's Office says Brian Odell Jeffries is charged with murder. Officials say they went to check on a person at a home on Kenimer Cove Drive in Grant Tuesday. They say they oh, found 78-year-old Edra Jones's body in the bedroom. A deputy says they saw Jeffries drive by in a car matching the victims. Grant's police chief then tried to stop the vehicle, but authorities say the suspect did not stop, so the chief ran after him. The suspect eventually pulled over, and officers and deputies took him into custody. Jeffries is being held in the Marshall County Jail without bond. All right. Next story. This is breaking. I got this Boom, right before I came on. And it's facing from, charges in the deadly January shooting at the legacy events that are appeared in court from. today for. All right, here we go. There we go. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone line. If you guys want to call me, did I miss any voicemail messages? I did. Thank goodness. And then we're going to go over this story right here. Very sad story. You know, I love to listen to you guys calling me. So here we go. Hey, Jerry, it's Barbara from Washington. Hey, Barbara. Um, I'm having a little trouble trying to figure out the two-gun issue in the Murdoch trial. I guess I haven't been keeping up to date maybe. Funny you should ask me about the two-gun issue because I I just finished the link from yesterday's or the night before yesterday's show, and it has a two-gun issue on it. I was going to talk about it tonight, but I decided not to. Maybe I will. Someone could explain that. Um, one was a shotgun, I gather, and one was a AR something. Um so maybe someone could go over that. It, it's confusing. In the Murdoch trial, you got Bubba, chickens, hogs, et cetera, et cetera. And then you go to the Idaho trial, and there's just no information. That's my other question. Why the big difference between the information in the Idaho and the information in the Murdoch? Is it just the state-to-state -state thing? Um, anyway, that's my question. Thanks. Actually, I saw them talking about that on Banfield. They're talking about how Idaho is like any other state, you know, how they're locking down information. It's not like the other states. They say it's also like that with the Lori Vallow case, which is also going on in Idaho. So that's what I heard. I do have a video about the two-gun theory. 
I'll play that at the end if we still have time. Hey, Midnight Radio and chat. Fruit Loops, how are you all doing? This is Electra. Hey, Electra. Uh, I tried to call in um, Jerry, and it went to voicemail straight away. So Because the phone line's not open yet. I just want to say that your show is great. This has been a lot of information today. And about the whole Murdoch trial, you know, it's just uh, too bad that he lied so much because lies turn into the truth in the end. And the truth is out now. The lies turn into the truth at the end. And the truth is out now. I'm trying to follow you here. If you lie that much, you don't have anything truthful to say. Oh, I see what That's you're saying. That's my opinion, at least. Because he just lied about everything. And I'm talking about lied about being in the dog kennels. And he could have been driving a golf or one of his ring, whatever those golf carts are, the off-road ones. And he could have shot from there. So that's why the shot could have been, the trajectory could have been going upwards instead of down. So there's a lot going on in this trial. See, we're definitely going to have to go over that two-shot video. And I think it's crazy, too, that the jury is not allowed to take a single note. It is You know how much information has been put out to them? And they have to remember it and memorize everything? I can't remember crap. Ooh, it's going to be a hard deliberation. Anyways, great coverage. Thank you so much. Bye. We'll go over the two-gun theory video after these next few stories I want to cover. Uh, this is one thing we talked about in Discord today. I was talking to somebody, and I said, you know, no matter how bad you have it, Alex Murdoch has it worse now. Even his best day is a lot worse than anything I'll go through for the rest of my life, and it's brought on by his lies. You know, whether he gets convicted for the murders of his family or not, that's regardless of having the crap rest of his life, you know. Um, show, and then they said, yeah, just somebody said it. It makes you think, yeah, it was the guy I was talking to. He said, it makes you wonder these people that have a lot of things and they're still lying and they're cheating to keep it, hold on to it, expand it. What's life worth? You're not having a good life. Even if he wasn't getting caught, his life was crap. Think about that. Have a happy, joyful life. Let's go over these stories, and then we're going to go over the two shotgun theory, which we didn't go over last time we were on, but it's it's worth going over, deep diving on it. You know, this is a good place to do it. We can do what we want. That's what we do here. You guys bring it up. We go over what you want. That's what I mean. This is your show. And we'll talk about what you want to talk about. It's game. At five, the mother of an infant found dead last month by police is now in custody. 19-year-old Ashley Harper was charged with murder on Tuesday. She was initially arrested for injury to a child. On February 21st, around 6 in the evening, police were called to the area of West Central Avenue and Buck Street. When they arrived, they found a two-month-old girl not breathing. Harper is in the Potter County Detention Center. APD tell... There it is. Uh, the phone lines are now open, by the way. 325-261-0892. Two-month-old girl died. Two months old. 
That's how old my son was when I moved back to Texas. He died during and during an investigation. Evidence was found to place a mother under arrest for injury to a child. She was booked into Potty Counter Detention Center that night. Oh, so sad. 19 years old. Just had a baby. Baby's dead. I don't know what happened. I don't know what she did, but... What's going on? It's not the only dead baby we're going to talk about tonight. Unfortunately. This update from uh, Sussex Police Headquarters. Detective Superintendent from the Metropolitan Police. I'm James Collis. I'm the Chief Superintendent here in Sussex Police. Uh, we intend to uh, read out um, some short statements um, and... All right. So there was a baby that was missing. Uh, this is uh, Scotland. Constance Martin and Mark Gordon, they went missing with their child in January. Their child was missing, and they wouldn't tell anybody where the child was. They found the child's body today. We won't be taking questions at the end. It is my very sad duty to update this afternoon. Police officers searching a wooded area close to where Constance and Mark Gordon were arrested discovered the remains of a baby. A post-mortem examination will be held in due course. A crime scene is in place and work at the location is expected to continue for some time. This is an outcome that myself and that many officers who have been part of this search had hoped would not happen. I recognise the impact this news will have on the many people who have been following the story closely and can assure them that we will do everything we possibly can to establish what has happened. Constance Martin and Mark Gordon remain in custody after an application for the extension of their detention for a further 36 hours was sought and granted by Brighton Magistrates Court. It is imperative now that the media and members of the public refrain from speculation and comments online that could be prejudicial to the potential court proceedings. No further information about the discovery will be shared. Is that like a new thing? It's important not to talk online. What? Get out of here. Ed, at this time, I ask again that anyone with information that could support the investigation should call the instant room on 020. Although, on second thought, there's not like a whole lot to say. 08 I'd just like to thank the media. The I'll end it right there. So basically, take this away. They found the body. The parents were arrested. No, no further comment. All right. We have a hospital respiratory therapist who denied being a serial killer. Charged with murder of second patient. This is a female, y'all. Female serial killer. Jennifer Ann Hall. Prosecutors accuse her killing a 37-year-old West David Wesley Harper by administrating unprescribed pharmaceuticals to him. A former hospital respiratory therapist suspected of being involved in the deaths of nine patients under her care was formally charged on Wednesday with first-degree murder in connection with the death of the 37-year-old patient. According to court documents, prosecutors accuse 
Jennifer Ann Hall of killing David Wesley Harper, 37, by administrating an unprescribed pharmaceutical. He was battling bronchitis when he was admitted to the hospital. March 18th, 2002. Three days later, Hall, now 42, allegedly told nursing staff she entered Harper's room and found him seated on the edge of his bed. Harper allegedly told her he fell ill before falling backward on his bed in complete respiratory arrest. Hall said per the documents, he later died. At the time of his death, Hall was allegedly found with a vial of... uh, Sucking chlorine. I can't even pronounce that, but I want to so bad. In her pocket, which she was certified not certified to administer, the substance used to take Mr. Harper's life. Ah, it paralyzed the victim's muscles, including the diaphragm, causing the victim to suffer a ghastly death from suffocation. Now, if this happened in 2002. Why was she? Why are we talking about it today? While still maintaining full consciousness and awareness that they are unable to breathe and are dying. During Hall's employment at Hendrick Medical Center from 01 to 02, the rate of cardiac incidents rose alarmingly. You guys haven't even heard about this, huh? It's because I have a good PR. These incidents were viewed as medically suspicious by hospital staff. This sounds a lot like the UK's Lucy Letby to me. How many times has this happened in hospitals, guys, that they don't know about? I would say thousands. 18 such incidents allegedly occurred during her five-month employment. So she was young. This is about 20-some-odd years ago, and she's 40-something now. This was the beginning of her career. Why? According to the court documents, prior to Hall's employment, the hospital averaged one cardiac collapse incident per year from five months to 18 when she was there from one a year. In 2012, amid speculation of her involvement in the patient's death, Hall agreed to an interview with KMBC, where she denied being a serial killer. I want to see that interview, don't you? It, it's shocking to know that somebody can think somebody something so horrible of you, and the real truth is out there somewhere. It's amazing to me how many of these serial killers, and I watched a um, documentary about the um, Times Square torso killer last night on Next netflix after banfield and fletch and uh how many of these people it pisses me you know the thing that pisses me off the worst really brings my piss to a boil is you have a criminal pushing back on you staring in your face accusing you when they know they've done it and later you know they get convicted you have 10 20 15 years later they confess oh like bundy oh yeah i did it you know This is what we have here. This is the second murder charge Hall's facing. In 2022, she was charged with first-degree murder. Oh, in 2022, she finally got caught. In connection to the death of a 75-year-old patient from patient Fran Franco, she pleaded not guilty. Because of Hall's singular proximity to stricken patients, her access to pharmaceuticals, which are deadly if misused in her discovery of and method of notifying staff of every patient's cardiac emergency. Nursing staff believe Hall was responsible for the patient's deaths. 
Hall's defense attorney, Molly Hastings, tells People she plans to enter a plea of not guilty to the second-degree murder charge as well during Hall's upcoming Wednesday court appearance. So what is that today? Booyah, March 1st. We're going to continue to report on this, see what happens. Related articles. UK nurse Letby cries in court as doctor gives evidence at baby murder trial. She murdered babies. Lucy Letby did. Oh, both of these people are going to go on the wall of shame of my murderesses list on my website, midnightrad.io. Hey, do you like radio? Have you ever thought of becoming a DJ? Well, now is your chance because we need DJs. If you're interested in becoming a DJ, this is all you need to do. You need to have the drive, the will to want to learn how to be a DJ. I will teach you. All right. I will teach you how to be a world-class DJ. Don't believe me. Then you can check out the work right here before every show. We have a world-class DJ do a pre-show and you can see what kind of training that you're in for the best in the world. You're going to have really good training. You're going to know how to do audio correctly. You're going to know how to write lead-ins. You're going to know how to line up your songs. You're going to know how to do themes. We will teach it all to you. All you have to do is you have to want to. You have to go to your keyboard and you have to email me, midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. I'm waiting for your email. I'm waiting for the subject to say, I want to be a DJ in, in the subject line. What do I need to do? I will tell you the first steps, and this isn't a con, We've got plenty of DJs right now in the, ch the chat room. All right. I will put you to work as a DJ. I will train you how to do it. I will show you what equipment you're going to need, and I will show you how to do it. All you have to do is want to. We have our license, our, our radio music license right now. All right. We are currently broadcasting this show on there, but after this show, then it's going to go into 24 hours a day, seven days a week music. We're already there, guys. Thank you. Thanks to you guys, you guys did it. This is your radio station. We are online with our radio station. We have apps coming up. We're going to be on TuneIn and iHeartRadio. It's a big deal, guys. I will make you a radio DJ. If you always wanted to do it, you can come try it, see how you like it. Uh, everybody that's actually done it, we haven't had anybody uh, stop becoming a DJ yet. We have had people who never made it. We've had people that got ready to do it but just didn't. We're still waiting on them. But we haven't had anybody leave yet. Uh, that might happen. I don't know. But everybody's having fun. I haven't heard anybody that's not having fun. Um, it's a learning process, guys, and you're welcome to it. If you want to be a DJ, maybe it's time. Do you want to be a rider? We also have a riding course, and we have a, we have a workshop actually coming up for our riders, but we'll talk about that later with the riders when we're going to have that i'm going to have you guys input to when you what date you want the riding uh, workshop to turn in your lesson i will teach you how to be a rider i'm a rider you can look at my website for examples of my riding uh, you can look at my documentaries i will teach you how to be a rider what kind of rider i will teach you how to be a fiction writer i will teach you how to write a whole book Part of the course is I walk, this is an advanced course, really. It's kind of like painting the fence in a way, but, you know, like Karate Kid or something, but with writing, it's an advanced course. Well, I'll teach you how to write, how to, um, how do you, how to reach an audience, how to draw an audience into your story, how to find that common thread that we all have 
that caring thread and how to use your emotions and your life experience to have people feel what you feel on that page. I'll show you how to do that. I'll show you how to write. I'll show you how to format everything. I'll show you how to do story uh, boards when you're doing a novel, how to line it up. Um, I'll even show you towards the end of the course how to get someone to uh, how to get a proofreader, how to get a, a writing contract. I'll show you how to submit your articles. I'll show you how to submit your stories. I'll, I'll show you how to do all that towards the end of the writing course, the 12 month course. And if you're there for the whole 12 months, the whole 12 months, then I leave you in that writing course. You get to stay in the writing group forever. You're grandfathered in. So if you want people in the writing course to read your work and check it out, uh, maybe get an opinions on something, you know, it's very, it's a very valuable tool. That is a midnight writer. That's our third level. That's nine ninety nine a month. And that is something we offer here on Midnight Radio. All right, let me go to the phone lines are open, by the way, if you guys want to call me. 325-261-0892. Let me make it to where if someone does call, it's not going to blow my ears out. All right, you guys are free to call right now if you want to. If you don't, that's okay too because I have plenty of stories. And again, when I get to the last one, I'm going to pull up the two shotgun theory. Let's watch this uh, quick video. When we talked in 2012, we agreed to hide her face and change her voice. Did you kill these people? No, never. At that time, Jennifer Hall was never charged with a crime, but now she is. Late last week, the Livingston County prosecutor filed a murder one charge against Hall in the death of 75-year-old Fern Franco. She was one of nine people who died mysteriously at Hedrick Medical Center in Chillicothe between 2001 and 2002 when code blue cases, patients needing resuscitation, had risen at an alarming rate. Staff members then suspected Hall of injecting the victims with the drug succicloine, causing them to suffocate. But no one could prove it. It's shocking to know that somebody can think something so horrible of you and the real truth is out there somewhere. Her lawyer then and now is Matt O'Connor. And what they miss is the substance that was found in the decedent's body, sexicoline and morphine, Ms. Hall did not Sexicoline. have access to. That would Sexicoline. be something that okay. only uh, somebody doing surgery. She didn't. She wasn't supposed to, but she did. Or something like that would have access to. That's heavily guarded, usually a code machine, something like that. O'Connor plans to make arrangements for Hall to surrender soon, a day we wondered about when we asked this question in 2012. Do you fear there will come a time when you might be criminally charged in this case? No, I did nothing wrong. I feel like the truth is out there. It just needs to be found. For now, she's not in custody. She's also undergoing chemotherapy treatments for leukemia. So oh, why did staff members at the time suspect Hall? O'Connor thinks it was because before she went to work at Hedrick Medical Center, she was accused of setting an office fire, a small one, at her previous wow. job at Cass Medical Center in Harrisonville. A jury convicted her of arson, but O'Connor took on the case later and won on appeal, citing ineffective counsel. In the second trial, an expert testified the fire was electrical, not arson. This time, a Cass County jury acquitted her. Hedrick Medical Center didn't fire Hall until 2003 when, according to Hall, they found out about the arson case. This is going to be abrupt. 
news websites, please, please get your coding in order. They're the worst. All right. This is something I didn't know about until I knew about it, and I don't know what to think about it now. You guys heard about gunshot technology to where these uh, cities have a technology to where they have a gunshot detector. A gunshot goes off, they know what neighborhood and where it is. I thought this is interesting. Since this, this is in Houston... Houston, Texas, since its implementation in 2020, the gunshot detection system, Spot Shotter Technology Incorporated, has become an ongoing subject of controversy and debate among Houston civic leaders, police, and city residents. Why do you think that is? Some view shot spotter and network of auditory sensors placed in a handful of the city for the stated purposes of detecting guns related to crimes in progress. As a preventative tool, safeguarding vulnerable communities, others view the technology as an expensive surveillance network targeting black and brown people in lower-income neighborhood. Earlier this month, the city vowed to approve SpotShotter's $3.5 million contract. Holy moly, it's a lot of money with the city. A move that renewed debate over the system's merits, effectiveness, and costs. One side, there are Houston leaders and high-ranking officers with the Houston Police Department, touting the technology as a vital gun violence protection tool. One, the HPD Support Service Command Assistant, Chief Martin, says has helped officers respond faster to shooting instances, recover evidence such as shell casing, and has contributed to a 100 arrests from the technology. Now, why wouldn't you want that? In a presentation with Houston City Council last month, Martin told council members that out of the 5,450 published alerts registered by SpotShotter since it began operation in 2020, 1,043 offense reports have been filed, resulting in 99 arrests and 126 charges. So far this year, HPD has filed 21 offense reports out of 289 published alerts. Okay including four charges filed and four arrests made. But Texas Civil Rights Project Outreach Coordinator Christopher Riviera is among those who say the data and numbers presented by Martin demonstrate shot spotters' ineffectiveness rather than bolster its credentials. It seems to be a very ineffective tool. It only results in about 20% that results in offensive in offense reports, which means 80% of our resources going to this technology and coming up short. And really, it's a tool on black, Latino, and poor communities. Moreover, Riviera said that 3.5 million shot spotter contracts should be used for other resources that could also improve public safety like housing, education, and more. I'll put a link to this in the show notes after the show. One more, one more, and then we're going to go to the double Murdoch gun. Matter of fact, I'll bring that up while we're going over this. This is another uh, person in power, not like Mur- un- not unlike Murdaugh. This is a school board member charged with felony today. And this is this in Houston? Oh, this okay. And also, this is the name of a, a really weird name for a town. 
The former Spotsylvania County School Board Chairman. Spotsylvania. Spotsylvania. Chairman and current member Kurt Twig is in big trouble. Yeah, he has been arrested and charged for tampering with official school records without authorization to do so. Our CR Fox has more with the report. Many parents here in Spotsylvania County are disgusted with the way school Sports. board member Kirk Twig has handled several situations. They say he has a reputation of not following the rules, so they're not surprised that he's accused of breaking the law. You're an elected official. You're supposed to go through proper channels so that there's an accountability, you know, and... This, this piggy bank that's been given to you, it, it's not yours, it, it's the public's. Twig has been arrested and charged with forging a public record and tampering a county record. He turned himself in on Thursday after being indicted by a Spotsylvania County grand jury. Fox 5 has learned the charges stem from an investigation into allegations that Twig changed a salary amount on paperwork the same day the board approved a contract for an interim superintendent. School board member Don Shelley tells Fox 5 she reported her concerns to Virginia State Police last fall. Twig is no stranger to controversy. Parents were upset with him back in 2021 when he recommended banning and burning books. He also faced backlash for the hiring of his personal friend as the new superintendent, Mark Taylor, who had no prior experience. Baron Broswell, Spotsylvania County's former school board chairman who worked alongside Twig. He says this is disappointing and causes mistrust in the community. It appeared to me that Kirk never really grasped the concept of being a school board member. He viewed it more in terms of being a governor, if you will. But I just think it's a really sad day for Spotsylvania County uh, that uh, elected officials uh, take it upon themselves to not just forge documents, but in this case, there's an implied charge, if you will, of uh, abusing power. Take a look here. I tried to call Kirk Twig to get his side of the story, but he didn't answer. Neither did the current superintendent, Mark Taylor. Spotsylvania County Public Schools tells me they are unable to comment on pending legal matters. Court records show Kirk Twig is due back in court in March. Fox 5 will keep you up to date with the very latest. How many of you guys think he's going to walk? Just saying. I don't know. And I hate the term just saying, but I used it anyway. All right, so let's go to the two-gun theory. Something I've been wanting to go over. Hey, I'm Kayla. Hey, hey, I'm Kayla. One of the AI voices. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. I want to skip your commercial. All right, two-gun theory. Here we go. Boom, bada, boom. I'd like to thank Law and Crime for letting me use this footage. They're good like that. They really are. Here we go. Changed is the, the pellets coming out of here now would have definitely begun to spread, and you would have seen pellets all across the side of his left side of his face, which you didn't. Um, so, and, and then finally, if you look at this angle here again, imagine door here, gun in this thing, then... Even if, even if, and I think there's no evidence of it, but even if the shot could go through Paul's head and create an exit pathway, then that would project whatever pellets and bone matter that way. Whereas, if you move the shooter to the other side and we shoot into Paul downward this way, then all of this material comes back at the shooter, but also it's going this way into that upper corner, which is where we see the pellet defects and the the heavy blood and the hair. 
I was going to get... Okay, and, and you'll take a seat. That'd be Thank great. You. Thank you. you. Take that down. Okay. Mr. Palmback, let's talk um, a little bit about the reconstruction of murder of Maggie Murdoch. Um, did you um, did you assess the crime scene as it relates to her? I did. And what what your observations? Well, generally, uh, there's a couple of really key observations. One, all of her wounds were facing the direction of the shooter. So. At all times during this, uh, her shooting, she's facing the shooter. Now, she is moving, for sure. You know, there is some degree of movement you know, from where the initial shooting most likely occurred, which is, we can't give you an accurate estimation for that. We can give you a really good estimation where it ended, and that's where we find her. Um, and, and, and I'll talk about which wounds were associated with that in a minute. But you see, so you have her facing the attacker the entire time. At no point did she turn or blade or, or anything other than face him. And moved a little bit in the area, although not much. Uh, and then the shooter, based on the overall distribution of the shell casings, also moved, again, somewhat, moving you know, you know, toward where the ultimate location where we find Maggie. Right, I'm going to show you three, two photos. Um, uh, it defends exhibit 163 and 164 and ask if, uh, if you relied upon those. Uh, I did. Defense exhibit 163 and 64 in evidence at this time with advocate. No objection. Admit it. Uh, if you don't mind pulling out 163, Doug. Thank you. And Jerry's seen this, but just give us an overview of what this is. Well, so so Maggie is is underneath the blanket there, and, and she's um, she's in a face down position there. Just um, just leave it like that. Her head is more toward us, and uh, her feet are, are pointing more toward uh, I think what's been identified as a, as a doghouse. Right. Um, you'll see placards uh, in the foreground three and four, uh, which are. Uh, two of the, the blackout 300 casings. Uh, you'll see a placard 12, which is over on the grass, uh, in, in more in alignment, you know, we're heading more toward uh, Maggie's head area. And uh, that was a, a large piece of what appears to be brain-like material. Um, and while you can't see the numbering, there are additional placards to the left, immediately to the left. Alex looks like he's having a lot of trouble hearing this testimony. Side. Well, they're on Maggie's right side, but as we view the photograph, they're to the left of where she's currently located. Um, so, so this just gives us some general orientation of approximate locations of the shooter, and certainly um, uh, where at least the, uh, the 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 fatal shot to Maggie was taken. Right. I'm show you defense exhibit 149, and the other two with. We'd move that those be under seal and 149 under seal. Is this uh, relied upon us in reaching your conclusions? I did. Your Honor, we move. 
excuse me, Exhibit 194, not 149. 194 in evidence, not under seal at this time. No objection. And um, if you don't mind pulling up, Doug, um, well, before I do that, let, let's go to... Uh, the best way to burn fat and get in shape. It's not keto with paleo well, 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 fasting well, 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 or vegan, and it's not super intense workouts like CrossFit that you see all the time. That's um, 164, and uh, which is a close, closer up area um, around the, um, the side by side, as they call it. Uh, what's the significance of this photo? Um, again, I think this is an area in, in which Maggie passed, uh, would pass by uh, during this incident. Uh, it's also an area uh, that's being highlighted now where uh, what appears to be her dam a damaged loop earring, which is consistent in, in shape and design and structure to the one that's still in her right ear. This one would have come out of her left ear at the time of that impact uh, shot to her left ear. This is hard testimony about what the birdshot did to her face from the earring is hard. And, and more or less just been blown over destruction. And, and, and the jury that has seen the autopsy photo of the injury to her left ear, is this, this do you believe this earring is a byproduct of that injury? I, I do. Okay. And then, um, and then just briefly, I'm going to pull up 194. And ask if you can um, just just generally. I, th I think you you were um, hair on, on her body. What significance is that? And, and if you'll hot, you know blow up her legs. Right, guys. This isn't that long of a clip. It's a 17 minute clip. We're already six minutes into it. In case you're wondering, and also. I've got I've got some more footage about them going to the crime scene today after this. Let me see if I have that. So, you know, we when you find a body, you always have to wonder, is that really the position that the body remained in? Or, you know, uh, through medical, you know, maybe the defendant or, or the accused or the shooter did something to the body. More likely in a medical evaluation, they did something to it. We always just want to know, is it, are we looking at it in the right orientation? Did somebody flip it over and... And, and whatnot. And, and so I think it was valuable to, in this case to have seen that injury in the back of her head, um, the massive amount of hair that came off of that. And then if you look close up on the on uh, or the back of her legs, you'll see just dozens and dozens of hairs um, laying on top of her legs, which would be a, a good indicator that she didn't get moved. Um, that, that this is, we can count on this being the final position, unaltered position at Maggie. So can you go back to 163? Oh, you, you mentioned um, the marker 12 a moment ago and 163. And again, what do you understand 12 to be? Uh, it, it's physiological material. I mean, it looks structurally like brain material, but it, it's tissue. In, in, in your, your opinion, would the shooter of Maggie have any blood spatter, blood, biological material on him or her? I think it's possible. I think it's possible because, uh, as we're seeing here, that you have a projection 
of, of uh, brain material backwards toward the direction of where the shooter would have been located. Um, we also have uh, a couple of the shots, the, the left thigh shot and the abdomen shot, which have been uh, identified as having stippling around them. Um, by virtue of being stippling, it, that does make it an intermediate distance, and that's going to move the shooter in anywhere from, uh, I, I would agree, I think Dr. Ryan said a foot to three feet is probably, is probably a, a good approximation. Okay. Mr. Palmback, do you have an opinion um, based upon a, a more probably than not in whether there was one or two shooters who mur murdered Maggie and Paul on the night of June 7th? I did have an opinion on that. And what's your opinion? Uh, my opinion is the totality of the evidence is more suggestive of a two-shooter scenario. And what, I mean, please explain the basis of your opinion. Okay. Um, so we'll go back to Paul. In Paul's scenario, we know where the shooter of the shotgun had to be, and that, and that would have been orientated really directly over Paul's head. And we also got a chance to see what, the, you know, what was the effect of this dynamic explosion in the contact. And you can see outside and even in throughout the feet area in multiple and many large pieces of skull. We also saw large amounts of tissue that were projected all the way up onto the ceiling and the door. You see hair all the way up in, into the door, and of course you see blood literally everywhere within there. And finally, you see the pellets. The pe you know, some of the pellets are on that same pathway, and they had enough inertia to either and or dent the door and, and you know, uh, put themselves up and stick into the casing. All of that activity was in direct alignment with the shooter. And so I think minimally, minimally, that shooter uh, is getting covered with this material, getting more or less the shock wave of that effect, and more than likely getting hit with at least something uh, that could have done injury, a bone fragment and or a pellet fragment. Therefore, I think that particular shooter, for a brief period of time, is is kind of out of this. It's not as if they can instantaneously suffer that drop the shotgun, run to wherever the AR, uh, uh, the blackout rifle is, pick that up, and then, and then in, in any kind of a, a reasonable time period, engage in uh, a meaningful assault, an effective assault, able to shoot straight and, uh, and make hits. So that, I think, is one of the major indicators um, of concern. I think the other things to consider is that all of this is, is very temporal. It's very close. I know when I looked at the photographs versus being there, I'm like, it is much closer together um, than it looks like in the photo. So it is happening very. I have a good comment from our weapons expert in the chat room here. So those, there are people that listen to us on the stream. There's people that just listen to the podcast. So I will read this out to you. It was a number three or number four still duck shot, which is about halfway between birdshot number eight and turkey shot. It usually has a three-inch magnum, longer shell, more gunpowder, or even comes in three-and-a-half magnum. Kicks like a mule. You know the strength behind this birdshot. Very close. With Paul... It's like a big birdshot. As I articulated, I, I believe he was shot first. I believe he had no idea it was coming. Um, and, and he took the shot to the chest, and, and very soon thereafter, the one in the back of his head. Anybody in the near proximity to that, if Maggie had been anywhere in that area walking around down there, she would have heard that. 
um, and, and her response would have been in the direction of the shooter or the activity or or run or do something different. So I think that the temporal location suggests that these things more probable than not happened fairly quickly and, and that uh, and that the individual who shot first with the shotgun minimally was stunned, probably blood and material in his eyes and maybe had been injured and, and would have taken some degree of time to recover. And lastly, I think there is just a more or less a, a in, the, in the, anybody who deals with firearms, a logical argument here. Why would you bring, why would one shooter bring two long rifles, two long weapons to the event? You can't handle and shoot two of them. So you either got to put one down, use one, or and then swap out and grab the other one. Or I suppose you could have one on a sling, but that's quite awkward and it's slipping around and it's banging around in an environment we know is very, is very, very tight. Finally, if one of the weapons is the Blackout 300, well, that comes with a, a, a high magazine capacity. Uh, my, my research of that showed that, that the, the Palmetto State Armory upper, which, that, which we don't know, we have no idea what gun this is because it hasn't been identified, but if the state, I think, has alluded to that, if that's the case, then a weapon that had that Palmetto State Armory and a 300 blackout, could a person could purchase a 10 round capacity clip, a 20 round capacity clip, or a 30 round capacity? Oh, what the <laughs> son of a <laughs> damn capacity clip? Um, the game did look kind of where fun I though. live in Connecticut. We are really restricted on what kind of weapons we can have and what kind of clips we could have. We'd have to, even if we could have an AR, which is very restrictive. We'd have to get a 10-round clip. Other than that, it wouldn't make sense for anybody to buy a 10-round clip when you could buy a 20 or 30. But having said that, if it was a 10-round clip, there were only eight shots fired. You still had two more to go, and you could have more than not easily reloaded. So to me, there's structurally difficult for the same shooter to have two long arms and no practical reason for that to happen. Add that to what I believe happened to the shooter who fired first with the shotgun, and I think it tips in favor of the probability of two shooters. Mr. Palmback, this person who shot Paul, was he or she standing in the feed room at least one foot? Yes. Um, was there an opportunity to do a footprint analysis to illuminate um, more uh, clearly the existence of footprints there. For sure. I, I mean, all of us, I mean, several, I can speak for myself, and, and, and I, I believe others have opined about this, including um, some of the, the, the analysts in the case. There are what appear to be partial footprints in blood in the feed room and, and on the cement around it. Um, and while I'm not a footwear pattern expert, I can generally recognize what appears to be footwear or partial footwear impressions, I, I would agree with that. But in order to go beyond it's a general pattern to something more specific, that, that generally what you do, and, and I've done this countless and countless times, is you spray enhancement reagents on them. And you spray a reagent, um, we generally call them blood, blood pattern enhancement reagent, or you can even use a straight uh, protein spray. Um, Amidio Black would be an example of one of those. And by spraying those reagents in the area, it, it, it reacts with the presence of blood or proteins, and it, and it brings up the transformation. It gives you a lot more clarity, a lot more detail 
and um, you can tell an awful lot more about a particular footwear pattern. Absolutely should have been done in, in this case. Um, and I also believe, second to that, you had a lot of dirt in the immediate area that should have had at least partial footwear impressions, um, and I saw no indication of any attempt to either look for it, photograph it, properly photograph it, or, or, or analyze it. And uh, thank you. One moment, Your Honor. And did Mr. Pombach, did you see any uh, fingerprint analysis or, or attempts to obtain fingerprints from uh, the feed room area? I did not. Uh, would you, could you have used reagents like you described to enhance fingerprints, or is that a whole different methodology? Well, if you thought that the fingerprints uh, could contain blood, which maybe they easily could have, then yes, you could also use those reagents to enhance partially or, or fully bloody fingerprints. But I think you could also use basic fingerprint processing techniques um, on, on the door and any surface in the area. Since we know this is a very confined area and, and, and the shooter has to be in that general area and, and the possibility of touching something is there. But I think it, it would have been wise to look for that. Thank you. That's all. This is the farm. Definitely. Would. I didn't mean to hit that. So I have this one more that we can look over quickly because really it's just about what we're looking at. What they were looking at. And I'm talking about the tree at the house. Don't need to see car sounds. Went to the house today. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Swamp. Where's the dove field? Built a whole lifestyle on OPM for people's money.
dog kennels? How many dogs do they have? Somebody in chat's asking, do you think the jury will be hung? Ah, it only takes one person for it to be hung. Definitely could be. Guys, I got like a cold today too, yeah. I'll be alright though. Sneezing into my mic. That's where the, is that where the chicken were? Bunny rabbits. Yeah, I definitely think that these are reporters because this is law and crime that's walking in there and they're reporters. So I know that reporters are allowed in there. I haven't seen the photos yet, but I think they're going to be out shortly and we're going to take a look at them for sure. bet if you looked hard enough you could find some narcotics somewhere how many of you guys have seen breaking bad i'm i'm bet there's some like piles and piles of money somewhere i think this guy was involved in laundering either money or involved in drugs or smuggling people holy moses what's going on with this Maybe I'll, let me speed this up a little bit, guys. Guys. I will put a link in the show notes. I don't. Be missing anything at all. Bubba, Bubba with the chicken. Bubba was a dog, right? Just to get that clear. Or is Bubba his son? Buster's his son, and Bubba's his dog? I'm confused. Like a bird show. Where the dogs went. 
You guys know where the dogs went? Let me see one big live shot here. Is that? Do you want to be able to see the video? Look, I didn't see any bullet hole there. Is there a bullet hole in the doghouse? Bubba is a dog, yeah. I thought Bubba was a dog, and then I thought, well, is Bubba hit one of his kids? Thought he had two. Money is there somewhere, guys. Would, if I was there, they'd be looking at the crime scene. And I would be looking at the inner paneling of his refrigerator or trying to put up a panel on his floor. I wouldn't tell anybody either. They're going to the house, y'all. Heard all residents. Trick or treat. This is two times speed. Are you going in? Oh my gosh. Let's go in the house. Okay. Oh, somebody's emailing me a link to the photos. Cool, cool. I'll put them in Discord. And I'll email them to somebody. Two W twos make a W four. Why, yes, yes, they do.
Ready? Yes, sir. I want to know what the inside of the house looks like. It is isolated. It's kind of overgrown. I like my yard. Well, my weeds are growing in, y'all. We're going to get one final shot of the front of the house before we go. Somebody will go there with a spirit box, no doubt. y'all we're over it's over now thank you guys for tuning in i appreciate it very much i'm glad we had a chance to go over all the murdoch so if i didn't get to go over last time let you guys ask me about the two shotgun theories appreciate you guys a lot we'll be back tomorrow we're gonna go over the idaho four search warrants and what they actually got at Coburger, cold burgers parents house thank you guys very much hey after this show you guys can go to the link. Matter of fact, let me get let me get it for you right now. Put it on your phone. Program it in there. Uh, you guys can go to the link to actually go to the website midnightrad.io and you can listen to our radio station. We have our music license now, like I told you we would. You guys made that happen, and we packed it full of music. And we have a lot more that we're packing in it right now. It's an unreasonable amount of music thank you guys very much until tomorrow night all my best